Welcome to In Season, where we explore the farms, gardens, and wild spaces of the Lower Columbia Pacific region. I am one of your hosts, Teresa Retzloff, and I'm Jessica Schleif, and I'm here to join Teresa and, and our, our guest. guest today, Thomas Ger- Gerkins. Yes, Gerkins. Gerkins. Um, he is with the NRCS, the National Resource Conservation Service, um, based out of Tillamook. Yes. But serving Clatsop County as well. So welcome, Thomas. Thank you for having me. Really good to see so you. So great to have you here. So t- I, I wanted two things. I want to uh, have you explain what the NRCS is and then a little bit about yourself and how you got here because you're fairly new to the North Coast. Yes, came in December. In December, yeah. So, um, and you're based down in Tillamook. Yes, that's where my office is at. Okay, mm-hmm. so tell us about the, the National Resource Conservation Service. What so, does it do? Uh, okay, uh, Natural Resource Conservation Service is an agency within the USDA, and we were formed after the dust bus, after the dust bowl yeah. to protect our natural resources. So that was so, like in 1930s. Yes, and so what we where we look at it is we're always looking after the SWAPA, which is the soil, water, air, people, plant, and animal. Swap oh, yeah. I love that. <laughs> a fun acronym. Yeah. And so our agency, which is non-regulatory, uh, helps to advise um, landowners, producers uh, of ways to be more ecologically sound and more sustainable. And we offer advice, uh, technical services, as well as uh, financial services. Yeah, so you guys provide um, you, a lot of technical advice. And I have definitely, I will say this up front, my farm, 46 North, big beneficiary of National Resource Conservation Service programs and advice and knowledge, and Thomas has been so great. Um, so, and you work with all all the, the farms in the area, different kinds of agriculture, so not just plants, but also animals and uh, any kind of thing, right? All of the above. All of the above, mm-hmm. yeah. But you have a background in, in agriculture, agronomy, right? Yes, so yes. What is, okay, so yeah, what, is an agronom- what is an agronomist? So I studied plant science and... Uh-huh. Uh, and with a plant health emphasis and uh-huh. so my what I, what I basically worked on is how do I make the plant grow better for the grower and I will put out advice and look at things as far as if they have a problem and they don't understand a pest issue or a pathogen issue mm-hmm. and if I don't know the answer I know who to go for yeah and so there's a lot of uh cultural issues as well as biological issues that we need to address and sometimes you know Sometimes you, uh, the grower, may not have that thought at the time. Uh-huh. And when I, I always like to make uh, it a point that the person on the land, the person that owns that land, knows it better than I ever will. That nobody's going to mm-hmm. come onto their ground. Their own and, microclimate. Yeah. yeah nobody's going to come onto their ground and say, okay, this is what has to be here. They know what's, they know what's worked in the past, but... Sometimes thinking outside of the box or using tools that come from other people uh, will also help to benefit your ground. And so that's a big part of what we do is uh, showing other folks something different that's also worked. Yeah. The, hey, have you thought about doing it this way? Mm-hmm. What about this? Or I, maybe this has changed. Yeah. Or, or just having a resource or an idea. I mean, it's it's funny how, I mean, even you can have been growing or, or raising animals or doing something for a long time, mm-hmm. and you can get kind of stuck, stuck in, in a in the rut, way you're thinking And it's like, well, this it. is just how you do yeah. it, and I'm having this problem, but, oh, well, there's just nothing you can do about it. Um, like for myself, I've been having a, a really impressive outbreak of powdery mildew this year, which is not um, to be unexpected given how wet it's we been. We just had a little conversation <laughs> before the show with Thomas, and he just kind of blew my mind. I uh, know. So powdery mildew. What hydrogen, do you do? Hydrogen peroxide. 3% I solution. just 
like what you get at the drugstore, the little Absolutely. brown bottle. And just, you just put it straight into a spray bottle. And, and put it on there. You can use it up to day of harvest. Just amazing. And it doesn't damage it like photosynthesis. No, no, no. Because no. you swirl it in your mouth when the dentist gives it to you, you know, for your teeth. So, mm -hmm. it, I mean, it's perfectly benign and it's safe. I'm I, I'm just I'm still like my jaws. I've never heard this. And I'm researching it and trying to figure it out. I'm reading things about baking soda. I'm reading things about spraying, spraying milk, milk on your plant. I, you should have seen Thomas's face when I said that. He's like, spray protein on a plant? Why would you do that? That's terrible. And I'm like, okay, it's true. But, but Steve Solomon said. But, but that's kind of cool. I'm like, okay, so I know what I'm doing this afternoon. is going to go stop at the drugstore, get a bunch of hydrogen peroxide, and try and save my, save my cucumber crop. Thomas, um, who are the people that are accessing your resource? Who are the people that are calling you up? Because it's not just any old landowner. I mean, yeah. you can't show up at Jessica's garden and give her advice, or can you? Uh, anyone. Really? Seriously? Yeah. Like, homeowners could access this? I will talk to anybody. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You'll talk to anybody. Yeah, I like talking but, plants, so but it's fine. But it's primarily agriculture. They are, they are part of the yeah. Department of we Agriculture. We are after the resource concerns. And so if somebody is farming in a system that, you know, may do something that could have an effect down the line or is having an effect negative, negatively or positively, we mm -hmm. want to know if what we can do to help and mm -hmm. um, help shore up their business in mm -hmm. a lot of ways. So they, they can help with um, uh, talking to you about growing cover crop as a way of conserving yeah. your soil. So you yeah. can have soil erosion because we have so much oh, rainfall yeah. in the in the winter. You know, if you just leave your soil bare, it's going to wash away. Right. I love cover crop. What are ways that Me you can? Too. I know, big fan of it mm -hmm. here too. So the, <laughs> so things like that, they can help you understand, and they can help farmers, um, like learn about doing some of these practices. They can help provide some some startup funding sometimes to help you get going on it, and then just do a lot of handholding and advice, which is what I really appreciate. Sometimes, sometimes people are resistant to doing something different because they've just never done it before and they're worried about doing it wrong. That or, or a financial. Yeah, or a financial risk because, yes. I mean, farming is so risky and your margins are so thin anyway. Taking a risk on something you've never done before just seems like, well, why would I do that? That's why farmers don't need to go to Vegas. You get a whole year of spent on the roulette table. That's, that's me. Big gambler every year. It's like my farm is just one big roulette wheel. It's true, though. I mean, it is. So, yeah. So I appreciate the services that they bring. So I also want to say, so you moved here in December. Mm -hmm. What do you think about the North Coast? I absolutely adore it here. It's yeah. so wonderful. I mean, I came from a climate that does that got maybe 11 inches of rain on a good year, and I saw wow. 11 inches my first weekend here. <laughs> so uh, I tell my, my coworkers sometimes they'll see me just staring at the rain, and I'm looking at it still in amazement that it's coming out of the sky, and we're not pumping the water out of the ground like I'm used to. And so it's absolutely nice. I came up in the winter, so uh, the sun tracting was completely different to me. Isn't when that it doesn't come up till eight and goes down at four, uh -huh. yeah. that was really odd to me. And now it's going down at you know, nine thirty, ten and comes up at five thirty. Yeah. And so that was something that I really had to get used to. But. That was a big change for me too when we moved up to the north coast. It was but but I like it now. I feel like you really see the difference in seasons here. I mean maybe not as much as if you lived in the Midwest, um, but I'm okay with no, not having there, like feet do, of snow. Yeah. Yeah, we do have yeah. seasons. And you've got a bit of property. Um, um, yeah, yes. About yes. a few acres, you said. <laughs> so that's exciting. Tucked in the forest, yes. Very yeah. nice. So you're learning how to grow here. 
which as is, well as advising people about how to grow. Yes, and, and I've really had to humble myself before the uh, um, the kung fu horticulturalist up here, <laughs> because I came up here with a grasshopper style, and now I'm like trying to master tiger style. It's completely <laughs> different. And you know, heat units is something that I've never had to contend with, and yeah. so that's a whole another issue right now. You know, just especially fall, and I mentioned of these the seasons sunlight. we're having. <laughs> We've got different pests that I'm not you know used yeah. to, so. Yeah, there's some things that are definitely challenging. And then the low pH of the soils is just a Whoa. constant issue. Yeah. Isn't that exciting? It is exciting and it's intimidating <laughs> so at the same strategize. time. You can strategize. But there's no silver bullet in agriculture. There's yeah. no silver bullet. And so, you know, we have we use tiny little hammers. There's a lot of little changes here and there to make it happen. And mm-hmm. you have to be patient and you have to take your time and, you know, so I spent the year you know, so far watching the season, watching how things go. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, before I try to be the first lemon grower in Tillamook, I'm, I've got a little more a <laughs> uh, little more studying to do. So. It could happen, maybe. <laughs> With those, some of those polytunnels you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, there's a reason why people don't grow a lot of lemons. <laughs> so what are some of the things that you're working on right now with people? around the area well i love the high uh the nrcs's high tunnel initiative i think it's just wonderful putting and uh, explain what a high tunnel is because a lot of people there's multiple words for those i know i love how we throw around okay. high, it's a high poly tunnel, tunnel, tunnel. is it a greenhouse <laughs> it's a yeah hoop house um yeah. Greenhouse is more of a permanent structure, although mm-hmm. I don't know people that are moving their high tunnels all around. It's pretty much staying where they put it. But technically, you could move it. Yes. If you were willing to take it all apart and pull the posts out of the ground. And... If you had yes, a big community. Yes. If you exhaust yeah. the soil and it's time to move it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I know. So um, so that is a really cool project that you do. And explain about that because, I mean, again, we've, we've benefited from that. It really helped us build our first high tunnel, and um, it's been amazing. So the initiative is designed to help extend the growing season for the producer. And what will if, if somebody's interested in, in, in plopping up a big high tunnel on their ground, and w- we pay by the square foot. And so with NRCS, um, it's a reimbursement. You put the coin out first, and then we'll reimburse you once the practice is met. And, and they come, in, they come in s- and inspect it and make sure you did it right. Yes, before and after. Mm-hmm. And then I want to see things going as they go. Yeah. Uh, um, we really are wanting to address the soil conditions as well so i'm going to try to talk you into cover cropping and mulch um yeah see how that works with you Uh, i want people to do more ipm i really think it's a valuable practice out there integrative pest management yes and so there's a lot a lot of people go okay well i sprayed this on this insect and it worked well, what did you spray and when did you spray and what were the climates? You know, the conditions like when you sprayed that. What else that. did you kill? Uh, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Did you and take, did they come back? <laughs> did you take out all your beneficials with that? You yeah. Know, the, yeah. So the, it's one of the things that if you – IPM basically teaches us how to record and monitor what we're doing mm-hmm. as well as using – a you know, a gamut of tools to get the job done. And that's so interesting to me because I know it, you can think about it in one way and just think about the tools or in the past I've thought about, oh, that's just about spraying, but it's not, it's no. not, it's about a whole integrated system yeah, and a way I to mean, look at the big looking picture. Looking at the, the when uh, Thomas visited our farm, I, I feel like, when did we meet? It was in January, February? You came out in the winter. Uh-huh. You saw it at its worst, basically. Or no, it was early spring. Cause I know I still had, had some crops out in the ground and we had yellow sticky traps out 
you know, and they were just covered. And Thomas is looking at them and going, the oh, yeah, you've got, you got, no, they were oh. fungus gnats. I was oh, thinking, oh, okay. and I'm like, oh, I've got fungus gnats, you know. And, but that's the thing. If you don't know what the insect is that's causing the damage, you may not be treating it. You may, you know, you could be doing as much damage as good, or you could be not doing anything, because it's about also knowing like where the light, where in the life cycle you need to treat that insect. Mm-hmm. What part of the insect mm-hmm. is doing the damage? Is it mm-hmm. the larvae? Is it the adult? What is it? So, it's all those things, right? Yes, absolutely, and it's 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 a balancing act because you know we're you're trying to work within nature's you know confines, and you can't really. Like I said, there's not one silver bullet to it. Yeah. And when you remove one pest species, other uh-huh. you get a resurgence of others. You remove yeah. the primary, then secondaries come up. Yeah. You've got to be careful not to take out your beneficials. Uh, yeah. You know? And there are little tools that we can use as far as part of putting a pollinator habitat, you know, different timings on when you enter your field, different cultural operations that will have a direct effect on the pest populations in your ground. Yeah. And this also covers weeds, too. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. Weeds. Which are... Oh, man. It's, it's an been an amazing plant. year for weeds this year. I will say that. It's been pretty epic. Well, we've, it's just been so consistently wet. I mean, you showed up in one of the dampest growing seasons, I remember. Yeah, coolest, dampest. Cool and damp. We've been having cool and damp. And there's time, like, it's <clears> like in our, we do um, this dry farming experiment out at our farm. We're doing these dry farming trials. And usually, like, you hoe once or twice. And then because we're not irrigating that area, pretty much it's weed free for the rest of the season and boy is it not weed yeah, free now I, I also i work in ornamental gardens perennial gardens people's home gardens and this has been a season you know there's kind of this coasting time that if i do everything right and i've got my mulching right and you know my plant matrixes and this year all bets are off yep you know so many weeds oh so many weeds. And I, I keep feeling like I've gotten everything. Then I look over there and it's like a huge thistle just like exploding. And, the, and the I, middle of and a bunch of other things. I know. I've got one actually. Oh, if you drive by our farm, it's so embarrassing. There's this enormous thistle in our front yard. Our front yard just looks like, like you would think this was like a flop house. You know? And then the farm looks really beautiful. But man, I mean, this huge thistle growing right by our front porch. And I kept, and I've kept saying like, oh, I've got to get that thistle. i got to get that thistle. And I just looked at it the other day and it's totally as, setting as the Seeds are blowing you know? down. And it's that thing where you like you go to cut it down and put it in a bag and like just the moving of it, poof, several thousand seeds just going off into the universe. Like, five oh. more years of thistle. Yep, yeah. I know. Yeah, I've got five more. I've got at least like 55 more years of thistle <laughs> after this and, year. And that's why gardeners don't need walking sticks. You just carry your shovel with you as a yes. walking yeah. stick. Always have your shovel in your hand. You see it, you get it. Hey, Thomas, done. I like your style. This is my style also. <laughs> Always carry a shovel. There's so many, so many uses. I'm like, you yes. can use this to get up with. <laughs> Believe me, I have. This time of year, I need all the help I can get to get up off the ground. My poor knees. But it's true. But it is true. Just paying attention and try. And I do know that. And there have been some weeds that we've been able to um, get more on top of. And I feel like, too, like that's a pH, soil pH issue as well, where some weeds really like living in an acidic soil. So as you raise your pH... You don't see them as much. Yeah. yeah. And it could also be a nutrient deficiency mm-hmm. as well. So the weeds are maybe uh, trying to provide a, a nutrient that they'll be mining. So, for instance, cal- uh, 
dandelions and la- dandelions and lawns <laughs> uh-huh. tend to uh, show up when the lawn's calcium deficient, and they help to pull the calcium yep. up to the surface. Yep. Really? And so, you know, I nature has its own way of fixing things, and sometimes it doesn't, you know, balance with our markets. And so, is there is there within your program or within your personal part of the program? Do you help people look at those sorts of things? Why certain plants are showing up? Oh yeah, I'll talk about plants with anybody. Yeah. And this so is a, this is a key plant crazy person yeah i mean it's good it's there's a passion for plants here that i think is pretty exciting and that's what's so great to have a resource i mean i i I, the nrc is such a great service anyway but then when you get the right person in the right place and i feel really grateful that that someone like thomas has shown up in our community as well because i mean as a grower of plants having somebody that i can talk to about Mm -hmm. like wow, I've got these questions. And I know that, again, I know that if he doesn't know the answer, he can go figure it out, help figure it out. And he's got resources like at his fingertips that I, you know, it would be harder for me to dig deep into the USDA and find those answers. But you know who to ask. I've been lucky meeting the folks along the way that I have. Yeah. You know, yeah. But, but I've been learning a tremendous amount from the growers up here. And it's yeah. just been as much as well, I... And it's different. I mean, it's a different climate. Oh, absolutely. I think that's, you know, most of the things that I'm grappling with right now. But I like to think that uh, every grower that I teach somebody teaches me about 10 things. Yeah. And so I I think I'm actually sponging off more than anybody else. (laughs) (laughs) That's a a beautiful viewpoint, though, and you have to be open to that sort of viewpoint. Well, it is. I mean, anytime you move into a new ecosystem... You know, there's certain principles that are that are that hold like there are ways that nature works, kind of the underpinning of how nature works that I think hold true regardless of the the ecosystem that you're in. But there's these nuances in different ecosystems that you have to, you know, stop and really watch and observe and listen. And I feel like it takes like going through several growing cycles, you know, you know, spring through autumn, Mm -hmm. through winter, Mm -hmm. through spring, through, you know to see and to start to see those patterns so i mean you haven't even been through fall here yet which is coming and i'm excited it's it's one of my favorite seasons on the coast it really is i mean even though i'm sad and things are dying and you know all that kind of stuff but it's still beautiful it's a beautiful season and there's i mean a lot still grows we often get some beautiful hot weather in october knock on wood knock on the i know i'm I'm hoping for that since it's been such a terrible summer but the light will still yeah the light goes yeah the shorter days I'm really feeling that I'm feeling it in the morning when I wake up like for a long time like the sun would wake me up before my alarm would go off and now my alarm goes off I'm like oh it's dark and I'm like just dreaming of coffee a lot of uh, a lot of uh, growers are diurnal like that you know (laughs) we're just powered by the sun yeah I know which also means that I want to go to bed at you know four in the afternoon in the winter (laughs) So, uh, so talk about your range. Do you do you deal with all of Tillamook County and all of Clatsop County? So my my focus is primarily Clatsop County. That's uh-huh. I'm the district conservationist oh, oh, okay. for Clatsop County. Okay. Uh, Tillamook brings me in to work when um, when mm-hmm. I, when they need help and okay. when things need to get done. Uh, but Clatsop is my primary focus, mm-hmm. and so that's where I'm at. If yeah. uh, you know folks in here in Clatsop want my help, I'll be there for them. How, so how like how many people are you working with? How many different? I'm an army or... of one in Clatsop, so yeah. it's just me. Yeah. I, I, as far as people that you're working with, like that are the agricultural, the, the we don't landowners. Have, well, we Thank don't, you. We don't have a huge like agriculture population here, but there's a lot of people doing agricultural things. Clatsop has about 90 registered farmers. Okay. And so um, 
and I'm not allowed to tell you exactly who I'm working with. So yeah, no, no I'm not asking for but, personals. Uh, anyway, what's so and so growing this year? <laughs> but uh, you know, I'm always looking for new clients, mm-hmm. and um, you know, we I typically work with the smaller grower because if you are going to take NRCS assistance, then you have to have made less than nine hundred thousand dollars over the course of uh, average course of two years, which is not a problem. Which can just County, tell you, probably not, not a problem. If you're making more than nine hundred thousand dollars a year, congratulations, you're doing well in this world, and you don't need our assistance. I yes. mean, I'll still help you with technical advice and I'll still answer questions for you but I mean I just find it fascinating that that's the cutoff really I mean I could see like you know 90,000 or something like that or 100,000 but 900,000 wow which opens up the yeah. The playing field for a lot of folks. Absolutely. And, and yeah. if you've got a large industry, yeah. then, you know, or a, 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 if yeah. you've got a, a nice footprint on the ground, then, you know, mm-hmm. you need to be ecologically responsible with the ground you're gifted. Yeah. yeah. Well, I also think, too, that we have a lot of farms here that are um, either small. We have a lot of farms that are starting up, which is really exciting. And then a lot of um, part time. Mm-hmm. farms or people where it's like a dual income like like my farm you know I am the farmer and I work on the farm and my husband works full-time um, in town and so and I know a lot of farms like that where you have you know there's farm income but then other income as well and you're kind of making it all work that way or people who are retired but who are keeping their farm going in different ways and or so, people that are working part-time trying to get trying their to get their farm up the and ground, running but yeah in, absolutely yeah, yeah. The, the roulette table everybody's everybody's on that spectrum and i think that's where the help that the nrcs can provide is so valuable well you know we've got our american population is less than a little over two percent of the populations involved in food production yeah so you know none of us want to pay 25 dollars for a gallon of milk yeah and you know the farmer's never going to really be paid for their time no. They do it out of a, you know, it's a labor of love. Yeah. I've yet to meet somebody who's out there farming who just hates their career. Yeah. You know, they're doing it because they love it. They know they're not going to be paid for their time. It's, yeah. It's a given. You know, when you really die. start to but calculate you what you get paid per you hour, good, you should never eat. calculate what you're getting paid per hour. <laughs> it's like just being a fiber like, artist. <laughs> yeah, it is. I, exactly. You know, it's funny because I remember I know a lot of artists in the community and I was talking with one once and I was realizing like, oh, my God. You so know, many like, crossovers. There's, there's a lot of parallels to like being yeah. a, like a, a local artist and being a local farmer. It's like, yep. Yeah, like art is farm is my performance art yeah but you do it because you're passionate about it and you care and it's nice when you get paid for your work and it doesn't mean that you have to to like not make money you can but but when you look at at profitability or you look at how much profit you're making um it's hard to produce food um and have it you know make a, a huge amount of money doing that because again people are only willing to pay so much for food or can only pay so much for food. It's not seen as a high value commodity. And that can be really frustrating because, I mean, food is something that you literally do need that to stay alive. I mean, you don't need a smartphone to stay alive. If you don't have a smartphone, you won't die. If you don't have Netflix, you won't die. You know, I mean, if you don't have a television, you're not going to die. If you don't have a car, you're not going to die. You can ride a bike or walk. But if you don't have food, if you don't eat food, you, literally, you are eventually, at some point, going to die. And yet, it's something that we we value so little, and we want it to be really cheap. So that can be kind of frustrating, um, like being on the on the production side yeah. of it. But, but I also understand, you know, it's hard. It's, it's, it's this necessity. You need to buy it. But there's so many other things, like housing and healthcare and transportation and education and all of these things that pull at our funds and um, 
you know, it's one of the things where I feel, I get excited about trying to help people grow food for themselves, too, because I feel like, you know, when you have a small home garden, you can really and see. you can grow your leafy greens, you can grow your salad, you can grow some, you know, fruits and berries. There's so much that grows well around here. I feel like that's a great way for people to get really high quality food. Grow it yourself. Mm-hmm. Keep a few chickens, keep some bees. I'm teaching my toddlers how to grow. Yeah. And we, you know, they absolutely love going to pick berries. And it's yeah. Just how how old are your kids? Um, six and three. Those are great ages yeah. for learning. What what berries are you growing? We have five natives that grow around our uh, on the grounds we're on. Uh-huh. Uh, we have the salmon berry, which is hit or miss depending on the yes, time you get it. Yeah. We have the salal. Oh. We have the red huckleberry, and we mm-hmm. have a, a blueberry that was there when we got there. And then we, of course, we have the wonderful blackberry. Yeah. Oh yeah. Which we jammed up recently this last weekend. It was wonderful. Nice. Fun. Oh, that's so good. Yeah, berries grow really well around here. I feel like that's and that's something that I'm often surprised that I don't see more small farms going into berry growing. Yeah. 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 And those perennial edibles. Because mm-hmm. you pick strawberries where strawberries are grown. Yeah. And so grow berries where they come from. Yeah, we do really good good berries here. So yeah. It's it's exciting. I mean I, there's so there's so much that um that your service provides to this community. I'm really grateful for it. So I, I, I'm yeah. also curious, Thomas, if um, if people are thinking about getting into the agricultural fields. I mean, are you are you working with just pre-established farms, or will you strategize with people? Oh yeah, I'm going to strategize because that's the most that's when you're the most vulnerable. And it's you know, so a lot of folks who want to get into starting their CSA farms or you know get into um, Get, get into the farmer's market. They've got big, grandiose ideas, and I think they're all wonderful. But when, if, you, if you're growing, for instance, if you're growing 100 different species, then there's 100 different life cycles you're responsible for. And you're, you're going to be able to produce, I mean, if, if you're awesome, you know, like a blackberry bog, and you'll be yeah. able to produce every, anything that you put your yeah. hands on. But if I want people to really just kind of focus on five plants, Master those five. Become yeah. experts at those five. There's this grower up on um, 26, Anita, and her and she is master in the high tunnel. Mm-hmm. And it's just so humbling to come because I've spent my life under plastic. And then yeah. I meet this woman who's just teaching me a yeah. tremendous amount. I just love visiting her. But she makes perfect cucumbers. So she makes wonderful tomatoes. And then you, Teresa, you have talent oh, too. Yeah, I have a talent for growing some really like weird insects. And but, but I enjoy every time I drive disease, by your farm. I know. It, it, oh, it, it looks wonderful. You've so much well, going on. But I think that's true. Like when, when you are the grower, you see all the problems. And that's where it's great to have someone like Thomas. You know, we are... I just realized, like, we've gotten so sucked into conversation that we're running short on time. And I want you to tell people how to contact yep, you. Yep, yep. So um, if you're interested in contacting me on NRCS, you can call me at 503-842-2848, extension 9027. Your website is great. Or you can email me directly at Thomas, T-H-O-M-A-S dot Gherkins, G E. H R K E N S at USDA.gov. Send me your information and uh, give me a time to contact you and we'll get together. Yeah, it's, I, I really, if you're thinking about it, if you haven't met Thomas yet, um, connect with him. He's amazing. He's a really good resource. And the website really lays out some of the programs you're doing. And Yeah, it's really, there's a lot, a lot of options and a lot of possibilities for support here. I think if you go online and you look at what we can provide, that's great. 
but let me come out and see what you're working with and then see where it can actually fit. Yeah. Oh, that's a great. Yeah. Because you, again, grandiose ideas may not be appropriate (laughs) for your actual property. And that's really helpful to know. You know, um, in agriculture, mistakes can be expensive. Oh, yeah, they can. (laughs) Oh, yeah, they can. (laughs) Back to the roulette wheel. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, um, thank you so much for taking the time to be here. Yeah, Thomas, what a treat to meet you and hear about some of your works and you getting established in the community. Yeah, I look forward to hearing what you think of our fall. Well, thanks for having me, and you know, thank you, Clatsop County, for you know letting me live here. It's just oh, such a wonderful place to I be. I know so it thank is. You. We're we're very grateful too, and I'm going to try that hydrogen peroxide today. <laughs> <laughs> um, Powdery re- mildew going down. Oh, you wanted to say something? <laughs> oh, to- I was going to talk about um, just really quickly tomorrow, August twenty first. Um, the North Coast, North, Lang- North Coast Land Trust is hosting Land Conservancy. Land Conservancy. I knew I was going to say that. Uh, is hosting a wildflower and wapato planting at Wolf Bay. Uh, check out their website to look at so more cool. information about that. Yeah, please do. Okay, thank you. Thanks, Dylan, for engineering, and uh, we'll talk to you next time. <laughs>